Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, here with Aaron Keller, and today we have one of our, he was a regular guest for a while, and we haven't had him on for quite a while. It's avid bird watcher, Rob Lowry, and we are excited to have you here in a different setting on Zoom, but it's so good to see you, Rob. Likewise, Ashley, it's been a while. It has, and traditionally we'd have you, I think you would come on usually during the Christmas bird counts, and we had you on after you had set a record, and you updated us on that, and then here we are probably over a year later. So we just wanted to hear your whereabouts, especially, I mean, during, we've gone through COVID since we've last seen you, and the shutdown, and people having to stay home, so how has your year been? Have you utilized it for bird watching? Just fill us in. Yeah, I think pretty much the the year's gone like normal for me. I'm, I, you know, I like getting out and hiking and and birding and traveling around. You know, this beautiful state we live in. So you know, the COVID really hasn't impacted that. In fact, you know, it's it's a it's a good activity to to do. You know, during these times because you're outside and away from people and and. Um, you know, you're still out enjoying the, the, the wildlife and the beauty here. Exactly. Nothing's really changed in my life as far as COVID other than I'm working from home and I don't go out to eat or go sit in a bar and have a drink. And like you said, lucky for you, one of your favorite hobby is a yeah. hobby that is socially distanced. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen a lot more people out here the last, you know, the last <clears throat> year or so. You know, in the places I typically go, there's just so many more people. And I think, you know, people are realizing that's, you know, uh, one one activity to do to get them out when they're, you know, cooped up in their home or wherever and can't get out normally because of the COVID. So um, I've just, like I told you a little bit ago, it's just like mushroomed in some places, uh, the number of people I've seen out. Exactly. In a way, it almost makes it hard for you to distance now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just carry my six-foot pole and make sure they're at least that. Perfect. <laughs> so, well, you were telling us right before we started, um, well, maybe recap us. What was the last record you broke? Last time we had you come in for the podcast, we were talking about a record because you had just hit it and I think in the podcast before that you were about to hit it so then we brought you back on I believe after you hit that record so what was that one yeah that was in 2018 um I had seen a three at, for that year 2018 I'd seen 332 species of birds in Nevada for that year so uh this past year 2020 I was fortunate to see that by one Hopefully that pick up, <laughs> exceed that by one. So I had 333 for 2020. So another record broken in. As far as I know, as far as it's been documented. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. I just wanted to bring you on because, I mean, bird watching has been huge. And then you, we usually had you for Christmas bird count, which didn't happen this year. So I thought I'd reach out to you, but little we, did we know. We did do the count. 
Oh, you did. Very, very condensed version. So um, Audubon sent out notices, you know, back in October, November, literally saying it's up to each count coordinator whether they have it or not. And if you do, here's the guidelines to follow. Um, I, at the time, wasn't planning on having the Carson City Christmas bird count this year, but then uh, talked with uh, my friend that runs the one up in Reno, and the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, after the this Carson City one's happened consecutively since like 1992, and it'd be a shame that, to stop that streak. So I sent out a notice to uh, the people that typically do the count, who I consider the core uh, core people for each of the different areas within the circle, and got their input, and everybody came back and said, yeah, they wanted to do it. So essentially what I did is I just uh, left the forms out on a box on my front porch. Uh, the people can come and pick up at their leisure and then the you know the forms are in the envelopes that i left for them uh, they did the count for their area filled them out dropped them back off in the box on my front porch so instead of having you know four or five people in an area it was it was either one or two it was the core birders that typically do that area annually so yeah, we still did have it and interestingly enough uh, everybody came back and said this was the most awful year they'd ever seen in their area but yet we had the same number of species as last year, 99 for the count day, and uh, exceeded the number of birds last year by over 5,000. Now, most of those are probably starlings and rock pigeons, but still, it was just, it was just an interesting year. That is crazy. I'm glad you clarified that because I didn't know it happened. So that's good to hear because it's so important. We all, that's why we talk about Christmas bird count. It's a citizen science project in people get involved, they go out and count, and then that's how we're able to collect data and have that data to see how populations are doing year after year. So that's good yeah. to hear you did it. And yeah. You exceeded it this year? Yeah, from last year. You know, we didn't exceed numbers we've had in, in previous years, but just using last year as, a, as something to compare to, we did better last year, even though, like oh. I said, come back and said this was, this was the worst they've ever seen it. Um, so it was just, it was interesting that it turned out as good as it did. I'm glad we did it. So you did Christmas bird count. You did it after all. And then the reason, um, which we just wanted to talk to you about birding in general. So come to find uh -huh. out you've done Christmas bird count and you set a record this year. So a lot happening. Yeah. Yeah. Good uh, year. What, so I want to hear, I mean, we've been talking about birding, but we haven't got into like, what have been some of the memorable things you saw while out this year? Oh, I, it's, gosh, let me think. Well, I saw a common blackhawk chick in a nest I've stumbled upon over in eastern Nevada. Uh, I had my best looks ever at Himalayan snowcocks up in the Ruby Mountains there outside of Elko. Uh, up in the Shell Creek Range outside of Ely, uh, we had really great looks at about 15 different dusky grouse. I had uh, one what we call life bird, means a bird species you've never seen before in your life, and that was Mexican whippoorwill up in the uh, Mount Charleston area, up by the, there was a water tank up there called the Alpine Water Tank. And that was, that was really neat because I had never seen or heard one before. And I went up there one evening in May, and as it got dark, I just played the call to see if maybe I get a response. And it turns out there was one about 20 feet from me in front of my car, and it flew right by me and landed in a tree and was calling vociferously. 
and uh, see what else. I found a painted red start up in Fletcher Canyon of Mount Charleston and subsequent visits by other birders determined that there was actually a pair and that they were observed building a nest. So that was huge news, I think, the, the confirmed uh, nesting attempt by that species in Nevada. Uh, I believe typically you see them further down, farther down south you know, in Arizona and such. Uh, we had hooded warblers nesting in Dayton. Uh, hooded warbler is an eastern uh, warbler species and uh, one of the local uh, um, brother and sister combos here in Carson City. Uh, found a pair and found the nest and subsequently found a chick. So uh, that was really cool. Um, that was just a lot of, uh, oh, I had uh, four what we call Nevada life birds, which are uh, state bird species you've seen the first time in the state. So I had four of those. And that was, uh, uh, let's see, painted red start, Mississippi kite, worm-eating warbler, and Nevada's first documented uh, Hutton's Vireo. That was oh. found in Christmas Count in Reno. So good friend of mine found it and I went uh, subsequent to that and found it. And it's, uh, like I said, it's never been documented in Nevada before. It's been suspected, but not documented. So that was cool. That's every, really cool. Every time, yeah, that's awesome. Every time Rob comes on, I'm like, my memory is not even half of what you're having. <laughs> Such a good memory. And just to be able to go to, to know all those bird species off the top of your head, and it's amazing. I had a list. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you probably, like for records and, and doing that type of thing, you probably have to get pretty good at documenting. Yeah, I use, yeah, I have my own list that I keep, a Word document, and then also I enter my observations in on eBird, and eBird keeps track of that for you really nicely. Shows your breakdown by, county, state, country, however you want uh, the, the numbers to show up on that particular page of the uh, eBird page. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't even know, and I work at Endow, and I didn't, I didn't even recognize the names of some of these birds <laughs> that you <laughs> named. So that's really, I mean, it just goes to show the diversity of wildlife and birds specifically here in Nevada that you can see. Oh, that's exactly right. I get, you know, I'm from Ohio and I birded back east and my birding friends back there are just blown away by the number of species that are in Nevada. You know, I think most people think of Nevada as a big vast desert and they don't stop and think about the mountains and there's, there's wetlands. There's, yeah, most of the state is, is, is that kind of habitat. But when you know where to go, where to look, it's amazing what you can find. And like I said, the uh, friends back there are just blown away when I tell them what's been seen here in the number of species. Yeah, definitely some of the species that you said are not in the, what we would, most people would think would be the desert, right? They're, yeah, yeah. you know, up mountains, alpine type birds and yeah, it's pretty cool. And birds get lost and uh, that's why we get a lot of these Eastern bird species here at times during migration, you know, something happens with their, with their, uh, assist their um, honing system to where to go and they end up in places where maybe you typically wouldn't see them, such as right. the kite. I, I remember the, when I was in college, the first time that I had heard about um, uh, sea ducks being uh -huh. like in Walker Lake or 
Oh yeah, and yeah. How surprised I was that they would make it over, but you know, in the big picture, that's not that's not all that far away. Yeah. Well, in fact, I'm leaving right after this call. I'm leaving to go down to Vegas for the weekend. There's some seabirds down at Lake Mead right now. Some scoters, long neck or long tailed ducks, and so uh, yeah, they've been hanging around there for over a month. They pass through up here in the Carson City Reno area. You can see them up at uh, Pyramid Lake, but uh, they've been hanging around most of uh, like December into January so far down in Lake Mead. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, Rob, you've gotten us right through the first half of the show. So <laughs> we will be right back after this quick break. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we have one a guest we always love to have on this show, avid bird watcher Rob Lowry. And um, Aaron, during the break, you actually said you have some questions for Rob that you wanted to get. Uh, yeah, I just like talking to Rob because he's so adventurous and he's like going all over the state. And um, when you're rattling off some of those birds, I was like, man, there's some of those are not like you can't just park your car and go, you know, find them. Some of mm. them are miles from any road. Yeah. Uh -huh. When you go out there, are you camping for the most part? Or how, how do you kind of plan trips? Uh, uh, this past year, I had a rental vehicle from work. It was a big Ford Expedition. So that three or four times. And it was perfect because it was big enough in the back. I put the third row and the second row down and brought a foam pad and slept back there. Um, other times I've camped. Uh, we camped up, of course, at uh, uh, Ruby Mountains there when we were up for the Snowcock and uh, um, over at uh, Great Basin National Park. Um, camped there. And where was one other place? Can't think right off, but yeah. So it's a little of both, you know. Stay in hotels and get up early in the morning and uh, take the the vehicle off road. You know, a lot of it involves driving on jeep trails and that. So it's kind of scary, but it's fun too. Because you know, you, what 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 if something happens while you're up there? You know, you get a flat tire or something happens with the vehicle. But that's part of the fun. And then you're out there in the middle of nowhere in this beauty, and there's no other people around for the most part. So you could just kind of soak it all in by yourself. And that's, yeah, that's when you were when you were saying some of those birds. It was you know the the snowcocks in the, in or in the rubies, yeah. shelk, Great Basin, and yeah. Mount Wilson, like some of the highest and most scenic peaks we have in Nevada. Yeah, yeah. You got to see those all summer and fall then. Yeah, and that's the thing for me. You know the 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 burning. I tell people I'm not out specifically looking for birds. I'm out enjoying the beauty of where I'm at, but at the same time taking in what's there, including the birds. So it's kind of like, well, the you know, having target birds that, that gets me to the area, but for me, it's more about the journey than it is 
finding the birds, I guess, even though I enjoy finding the birds, still at the same time, you know, it's, it's taking everything else. And like, uh, for example, uh, one of our most memorable uh, views this year was when we were up in the Shell Creek Range looking for the dusky grouse that we were coming back at dusk and we ran into a huge uh, herd of elk. And that was just impressive to, and beautiful to see that this, you know, it was like 12, 14 elk and most of them were with males with the huge racks and the sun was setting and you know, all you could see is the silhouette of them as they're standing on the hillside right next to the Jeep trail we were on. And uh, I enjoy that more than finding the birds sometimes. Yeah, it's just... kind of the whole experience. It's the birding gets me out, but um, you know, at the same time, it's not just about the birds, it's about taking in the whole experience. Um, I also love your way of thinking. Like you're like, you know, if I get a flat tire, that's part of the adventure. Exactly. I'm out in this beautiful area. I need to think yeah. like that more. I'm afraid yeah. of everything. Yeah, I always, I always uh, got this saying from Mark Twain that I, uh, when I was in an office, not working out of home, I have above my desk. And essentially, I don't remember exactly, but it says I'm an old man. I've had many troubles, most of which have never happened. So the point is you worry about all these things that might happen, could happen, whatever. But if you didn't worry about them nine times out of 10, they would never happen in the first place. So you're really worrying for nothing. That's a good one. That got me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, That's cool. try, 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 I try to live by that motto. I always think about that. Yeah. And you're a good example just to people who are interested in getting outside, but they don't really know where to start. Maybe they are interested in birding, but it's really not just about the birding. It's just getting out there and then seeing what happens along the way, seeing what you find. Yeah. I mean, I love seeing, you know, the wildlife, the, the flowers, insects, butterflies. It's, it's the whole experience. It's like the birding is the primary reason I'm out there, but at the same time, it's, it's, you know, it's taken the whole experience in for me. Mm -hmm. again, so what's next? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I said I'll be, if I'm going to be leaving after we're done here, I'm going to be going down to uh, Las Vegas area for a few days, um, like with work. So um, it's supposed to be beautiful down. I think it's supposed to be in the 70s. So the weather's going to be perfect, you know, unlike the, the weather in May when I'm down there and it's 90 degrees at, you know, eight in the morning. I'm not a fan of the so uh, this is going to be nice, and, and there's some um, decent birds down there, and I have friends down there. That's, that's the other beauty, too, of the birding. By me going to different areas, I've met so many different people in these different areas of the matter of now my friends. So it's kind of like a, it's become a, I don't want to say tradition, but um, part of the experience, too, and going to an area is, is also seeing my friends that I've made by going there originally. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> yeah. And um, stay places to eat, you know, you develop your favorite places to stay, favorite restaurants to go to, even though right now that's not going to be the case, you know, with all the COVID stuff going on. But uh, pre-COVID, that's how it was. Exactly. It gives you an excuse to see, you see your friends in different parts of the state and you get to see and know different areas of the state. Yeah. There's still so many more areas here that I've never been to. I still want to get to. I keep wanting to get to the Jarbidge area. That's one area of Nevada I've yet to get to. And, uh, um, and I've talked to friends who've been there and say, that's the real Nevada, you know, get up there. And uh, so um, I said last year that my goal was to get up there and I never did. So I'm hoping maybe this year I will. I, I like how easy it is for you to make an excuse to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> 
You just say, yeah. well, somebody told me I need to go there. So yeah. I did. <laughs> and I, you know, we've interviewed you a few times and every time there's like a new story or something new that you've gone and done. And I just think it's, it's pretty inspiring for anybody that's listening that, you know, don't make excuses and go do it. And, exactly. Just do it. You know, Be afraid. So when, when you document the, like for the records or for even for just your personal stuff, are you getting into photography now or anything like I, to... I, I, I take, you know, I got a camera outfit and you know, it's a Canon 7D with the, you know, the zoom lens. And, but you know, what I, what I say is that's, you know, people see me say, Oh, are you a photographer? And I'm like, no, I, I, there's somebody that takes pictures with what I call an expensive point and shoot. I really don't know how to use the camera that well, but uh, the reason I bring it along is to document, you know, if I do run into something that's unusual or rare, um, you know, taking a photo of it, it's not going to be Nat Geo quality. And I really don't care about that. It's more to document that, yeah, this species was really here. And um, anybody that sees that report on Ebert or whatever knows that I'm uh, maybe not as nuts as they thought I was. <laughs> so, uh, so that's, that's the primary reason I got the camera was just to document. So yeah, I take, I take the camera with me everywhere I go pretty much um, when my neck and shoulder allows. Uh, carrying around for all these years, it's it's caused some issues there. But um, I, I, again, I take it with me just to document anything I might see there. And occasionally, get you get lucky and get some decent photos. It's not my yeah, once in a while you get lucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, and that's the beauty of digital too. Is you could take a hundred photos of something, and then and maybe with any luck, one of those hundred will be decent enough to really show a good. Uh, documentation photo of that bird. It's in focus in that. Very cool. Yeah. What we have, we still have a couple minutes here, but what advice you said you saw all these new people or you see more people getting out where you're going, whether mm -hmm. it's hiking or whatever it may be for people interested in bird watching who are new to it, any advice you'd give to them as a, I mean, you're setting records and seeing all these different types of birds. So what would be some simple advice for them uh if they're starting out you know uh, get involved or get in touch with uh folks you know some place that does hikes such as audubon the local audubon chapter um, get on ebird you know join ebird where uh, you can uh enter your observations and also if, if you get in uh if you sign up you could get in on the page and 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 click on buttons where you get alerts uh, that get sent hourly by eBird to your email address that let, that let you know what birds you haven't seen yet. They call it the needs list. And they also have another list that's called the rare bird list. So I get those right now, I get those hourly. Um, so it, what, what that does, it looks at, at what birds you've entered into eBird for that particular year. And for people who submit checklist with birds on their checklist, it's not on any of yours yet that sends you this notice to let you know. Um, get, you know, it depends on how much money you want to spend, uh, get, uh, get a, a decent pair of binoculars. Um, you know, uh, Facebook, Facebook, we've got the Nevada bird, uh, burning Facebook page. And I think there's like two or 3000 people on that now that, uh, um, and they just restarted another page on Facebook. It's called a Nevada Rare Bird. So that's just primarily rare birds in Nevada. What's considered rare for the area or the state or the time of year or whatever. 
Um, so yeah, that's you know get get some you know get some good glass or binoculars, glassware as I call it. Get good binoculars, you know whatever you can afford. Um, you know, this and and most birders are very uh, willing to help. So by you contacting people or getting involved with a, a group or whatever, um, you know, from there you could use those people as a resource to help expand your birding horizon, so to speak. Yes, because I was going to say, it, you really don't need to be an expert in birds yeah. whatsoever. And that's why it's good to get involved in these groups. And yeah, yeah. And I hate the term expert myself because, you know, that kind of, to me, kind of that you're perfect, know everything. And that's exactly that's not the case where all, all the birders have been wrong, you know, with their identifications and such in the past. So I, I, I don't I don't use the term, nor do I like the term expert. Mm -hmm. more experienced than others. Yeah. Well, even like in just your picture taking alone, you said you don't even know how to use the camera that well. No, you just want to <laughs> bells and whistles on it and I don't know how to use it. Yeah. I think the other thing that's intriguing about birding is that you just start, right? There's no mm -hmm. like, you, know, you just get started. Yeah. And you practice and you're just observing and there's no end game. There's no, no. like, you're just in nature. Yeah, exactly. And then once you get, you know, once you get the binoculars or whatever glassware you want, be it a scope or whatever, you know, once that's paid for, it's really very little uh, cost involved, you know, especially for burning locally, other than, the, you know, a little bit of gas money, or you can, maybe you live in an area where you can walk or hike to a location or bike to a location. So it's a, uh, you know, after the initial investments, it's a, it can be a, a very uh, cost-efficient um, means of entertaining yourself. Right, because it just depends on how much, what your budget is, but you don't yeah, need exactly. like the most expensive glass to get started. No, you can always no. get a budget-friendly type set of binoculars and then mm -hmm. get started and kind of work your way up. And yeah, I, I started out with really a little tiny pair of $99 Nikons is what I started out with years ago. Yeah. Well, Rob, you said you're headed down to Las Vegas to see seabirds, right? When we wrap this up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we are pretty much out of time and we'll let you get back to birding, but we appreciated you being, taking the time to be here with us today. It was good talking to you again. Likewise, always love talking with you guys and thanks for the invite and, and I really, really appreciate it. Really enjoy it. Of course. Thank you, Thanks, everyone, Rob. for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild. again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.